Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another uh, fantastical episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. This one is number 115, and it's a little bit of a special episode because we've got a cool interview with a couple of fellow podcasters tonight. But before we bring them on, I will introduce you to my co-host of the last uh, 12 or 13-ish episodes, something along those lines. Up there in Montreal or near it is Pete, VE2XPL. How are you doing tonight, Pete? Uh, good evening, everyone. Yeah, episode number, lucky number 13 tonight. Uh, very excited, uh, very exciting episode indeed. Uh, we do have uh, special guests, uh, not only fellow podcasters, but uh, fellow Linux enthusiasts, uh, fellow uh, uh, youth and ham radios uh, enthusiasts and uh, yada yada. Anyhow, yeah, very exciting indeed. So uh, I've been good. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, the uh, fall is arriving here in Montreal quite fast. We're losing our sun, losing our heat. The leaves are turning, and uh, the apples are mighty tasty. So, uh, yeah, everything's good. Nothing to complain about. Oh, good. You're going to send me some apples so that I have some of those tasty Canadian apples to try? We have more than enough. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, we go, uh, me and... and uh, and the family go, of course, the family and I, I should say, go every year. Uh, we have a place that's not too far away. It's only about a 20-minute drive outside the city. And uh, plenty of good apples. You could pick pumpkins there. You could pick squash. Uh, sometimes they have little earth cherries, although this year uh, there were none left. But, uh, yeah, we uh, the kids each got a little bag, and me and Sharon each get a big bag. And then for weeks on end, we have, you know, we, we do apple sauce. We can it. We have... Apple pies, uh, apple muffins, apple things of all sorts, and and you'd think you'd get sick of it, but absolutely not. It's been like, oops, sorry, it's been like two weeks of solid apple eating, and uh, we're still uh, raring to go. So um, yeah, I, I quite like this time of year. Excellent. Well, I don't have anything to talk about in the way of uh, fruits and vegetables, so maybe we <laughs> should just uh, go ahead and introduce our uh, compatriots for tonight. You know them, you love them, you've heard them before. If you listen to this show, you've done what we asked and gone and listened to the Low SWR podcast, which uh, is not as regular as it used to be, and part of this interview will dig down into the reasons why. But anyway, uh, go ahead and welcome, if you will. Don't, don't scare them away. <laughs> Rich, KD0RG, and uh, somewhere in the background is Brady, which I believe his call sign is AC0XR. So uh, Rich is here with us right this second anyway. So hello, Rich. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Doing great. And Brady's right here as well. All right. Yeah. We hi, everybody. Uh, Brady, AC0XR. Oh, I got it right. Excellent. <laughs> it's a total guess. I haven't seen your call sign in about a month, so I'm surprised that I remembered it. But anyway, welcome, guys. It's good to hear from you because uh, there hasn't been an episode of Low SWR in a little while. So let's let's just jump right in and find out what you guys have been doing that's uh, kept you away from podcasting for so long. 
Oh, wow, that's, you know, such a good question. <laughs> and, that's and a great and it, question, and Russ. And it wasn't on the list, so blame him. Oh, I'm sorry. It was. <laughs> See, the list was just to keep you unprepared because now you were focused on all of those questions that Pete wanted to ask you, and I'm going to jump in with all the questions that I'm going to ask because I didn't know what Pete's questions were. I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> you have everything to do with this. It's entirely your fault. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, it's... it's um... We were, uh, <laughs> one of you was supposed to say, that's not a great question. But anyway, um, uh, that's, never mind. Um, I would never well, dismiss I, my own great question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I had a, we just, we moved. We moved from the Brighton area down there uh, north of Denver, up farther north to Greeley to Weld County. And uh, Greeley was in the news recently with the floods, but Greeley is actually on a hill. It was actually like um, south of here that got flooded out, which really annoyed me because it made uh, my drive to work a kind of a pain. But no, we, we've we've moved and everything's in boxes in, in the garage because we moved from a really big house to a, you know, we're actually, we actually didn't find another house to buy and we're renting and it's been a, a I don't want to say a disaster, but it's been a struggle. Maybe yeah. Brady has something to add. I don't know if a disaster is too strong of a word, really, because everything <laughs> is in boxes. Um, I don't know. Yeah, ever since we moved, we've never really. Uh, well, we, we haven't. Yeah, and I don't know. We don't know where all our stuff is: microphones and certain computers and sound clips, I guess, and all that stuff. Yeah, and, I know what uh, it's like. As, as yeah. disasters in Colorado go, you probably got the lighter end of the of the thing there, though. Yeah, we did. We, you know, everybody kind of suffered. Everyone should look at a map <laughs> and look at the rivers and how they flow out from Boulder, between Boulder and Fort Collins. And you'll see why there was trouble. There's, there's three rivers that come out. They all empty into the South Platte, and they all converge right south of Greeley. Yeah, see, we know somebody who just moved uh, a few months ago from the Chicago area to Fort Collins. And uh, <laughs> they were not real pleased with <laughs> what happened uh, a few weeks ago. So Welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Fires and floods of 2013. But uh, it was about a week that the roads were just a, a mess. The major roads, uh, you know, that get us north and south. Um, half of them were closed. There were bridges out. But it took them about a week. They got it all back together, and uh, everything's moving smooth again. Well, moving, moving can be can be hectic at, at the best of times. So if you have any other problems, if you can't find, you know, you're you're in a, you have to rent a home until you find one to buy. Blah blah blah. So that means you got to move twice. And I, I can completely relate, having moved around quite a bit around Canada in, in my career, and it, it's never fun, even when it goes well. So I, I very much sympathize with you guys, and uh, sure everything will will come together shortly. All right, I have one more question before we get like before I let Pete get us back on track here, uh, and that is uh, trying. What, <laughs> when, when are you going to start podcasting again? I mean, I know you could easily say, well, when we unbox everything, stupid, but, uh, <laughs> and you should, <laughs> that's right. You should say that. But, uh, I mean, I assume the low SWR podcast will continue at some point. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, it will. We actually, I think it was May. So that's uh yeah, that's probably six, almost six months now. May 27th. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> why don't we'll you just rub there. it in there, Pete? We were supposed to. <laughs> 
<laughs> what was that, Russ? I said, why don't you just rub it in there, Pete? You know, May 27th at 8 16 p.m. Asking. was it's it? the yeah. end of May. It's almost June. <laughs> and then yeah, there was five field months, day. 18 days, 37 <laughs> hours. And then... No, but see, then there was field day, and, and then they had that awesome field day poll, which I voted in, by the way. So, uh, so I voted there is in... some activity on the blog. I voted in that as yeah, well, that and I, I chose. Bigger... Go ahead. Rich, I'm sorry, I'm that, walking. That was an even bigger uh, mess because I think we got a contract on June 4th. Uh, so we, we did not actually go to Wyoming for field day. We're going to do that next year. And I think the poll is still up there. Um, but anyway, we'll go up next year for that. Uh, half the stuff ended up in boxes. I think we were moving on the 20, no, July. I think we moved over July 4th, I think. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, my other son uh, is here as well. I was going to say, that's not Brady, or, or he suddenly changed his voice. Yeah. <laughs> we have another guest. Awesome. Very good. Yeah, Colby is uh, he's seven. Super seven. So anyway, you know, half the, the radio stuff ended up in boxes, and we just weren't going to be able to make it up there. Um, so we did field day off the back porch. <laughs> ah, that's good. Back porch field days are awesome. Yep. I think it was actually all outside the boxes because we had just gone to Home Depot and picked up a bunch of rope and poles and stuff. We were going to have a real great setup, but um, yeah, I guess it didn't go uh, too terribly off the back porch. So how, what was your setup like then? Um, we had our famous three-element beam on the 20-foot tower. Um, and then did we set up, I don't think we set up anything for 40 and 80. Oh, no, we had our uh, coax dipole. Uh, up at like 30 feet for 40 and 80. I guess I'm envious because I don't have a famous anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's only famous in our heads. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's what we use for just about all our contests. So, I don't know. I bought a uh, a video camera, finally. I'm I'm really like 10 years behind in, in tech. Um, I'm staring at a, a radio here from 1979. But anyway. Oh, but it's real nice. Oh, the IC701. We love it. Uh, anyway, um... Yeah, I, I finally bought a video camera. We need to videotape me and Brady putting up this this uh, this tower because it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'd love to see that. Absolutely, I'm I'm a huge fan of Field Day. I'm not a huge contester, but uh, Field Day is one that I've been participating in pretty much my whole uh, ham career when I could. Not that that's like extremely long or anything, but uh, it's definitely my favorite event because it's not a it's not a really competitive contest. I mean, some people do get quite competitive and, and they will let you know, but you just move on from those. But I like it because especially if you operate late at night, I like to operate later at night. You know, everything's a little bit clearer. There's less noise. Uh, and people just take the time. It's like, hey, what's your setup like? And, you know, you hear people who are like, you know, 13 alpha. And you're like, 13 alpha. And you're like, how can you do that? And, you know, they'll take the time to explain it to you and and i think it's uh, that's that's why it's one of my favorite contests and one that i definitely participate plus you get to be outside which is you know something that i love and uh it's just a great activity all around Pause. it is we had we had a little wind uh, <laughs> issue with the tent we were under it was a you know one of those canopy awnings but other than that it went went pretty well and it, it was a lot of fun i do like getting out there we always have problems but they're but they're they're our own fault because we're always trying something new, trying something we've never used before. <laughs> There's always those issues. Yeah, well, that's the spirit of ham radio, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to be trying that stuff in a real emergency. That's right. Hey, uh, when do you guys do the news? I didn't do the news in the beginning. We're not screwing up the format here, are we? We were supposed to do the news, but I forgot the news at work. <clears throat> well, <laughs> okay. See what happens? He left, his, he left his homework at work. 
I left my homework at work. I do it over lunch usually, but then I got paged today and I had to leave and I forgot it there because after lunch I had to do work. So uh, you know, that, you know, Pete was giving me grief about the May 27th being the last re- release date. So I'll give him some too, you know, that <laughs> it's probably good that you don't do the news Pete cuz this won't be posted for 4 weeks. Yeah, probably. Oh, so, well, burn. It, I feel the, it. The, I feel <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but I'm continuing Unscathed. The one news item that I had was that uh, we talked about SteamOS last week and uh, read a short news clip saying that they were going to uh, be in partnership with NVIDIA. And that was going to be my one-minute news item. But then now I can't find the news clip for the life of me. And then we had problems with Skype. And so, yeah, we're a little disorganized this time around. So uh, no news is good news. We'll just keep talking to you guys. We could just go (laughs) – we could just – come on and say, well, welcome to the first segment of Linux in the Hand Pack. If you want to find anything out about Linux and ham radio, Google it. Okay, segment two. <laughs> but why well, have a podcast. Well, exactly, because idle banter is much more fun. Absolutely. SteamOS, partnership with NVIDIA. On the next topic. Yeah, the All next right. topic is, hey, we have an interview with Rich and Brady from the Low SWR podcast, so... Okay, well, well, we can keep talking if you want. I mean, I'll look at the list here. See, the I was trying to get this back on. Low SWR is anyone who will listen. We started it three years ago. The origins were that I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I thought it would be cool to make one of my own. Where do we see the podcast going? Um, downhill. Oh, not at all. <laughs> yes, it we'll changes over time. <laughs> anyway, I was rolling through the first set of questions. Yeah, no, I, I I love the podcast. One because there's very few. Well, now there's more, but there's there's not a ton of podcasts about uh, ham radio. Uh, you guys do talk about Linux, you know, quite I wouldn't say extensively, but enough. You know, you you have a good Linux content. Considering you're not a Linux podcast, which is also cool, and you know, in the spirit of ham radio, you got to try new things. Well, Linux has kind of that same spirit, so I thought that was kind of neat. The fact that you and Brady do it together, and every once in a while, you know, we hear some of your other family members, I, I think is awesome. Um, you know, father-son teams or, or any, any family activity is, is always a good thing. And when it's a ham radio one, uh, even better. You know, uh, Brady's in there, so he's got the whole youth and amateur radio thing going. So it's just a, a multifaceted podcast, and I think that's, that's the appeal of it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I've listened to uh, pretty much every episode. Um, actually, about five or six months ago, before I contacted you guys, I'm like, well, I got to sit down. I got to listen to every episode again to see, you know, what I'd missed or what I couldn't remember. It's been going on for how many years now? It's like two or three, four, four or five years. Correct me, Rich. <laughs> I don't know. I would have to go. I would have to open up a browser. Brady? Go to the website. Maybe Colby knows. Colby, how long have we been doing this? It's like me. It's like every two weeks I'm like, we do a show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's been long enough that, I mean, I... I feel like I've I've watched I haven't watched I've listened to Brady grow up you know because if you listen especially like I said four or five months ago I listened from the first podcast to the last and you know there's a few years in there and I'm I'm not sure Brady's what twelve or thirteen now if I'm not mistaken uh, Brady says December first two thousand nine and he's fourteen now there you go so two thousand nine uh, five years ago four years ago uh, you know at that age you change a lot so you, you, I could just hear the, the change in his voice from, from practically from episode to episode as he went on which is always kind of interesting too you know so we've we've listened to your family grow which I think is another cool appeal of the podcast 
You guys, you know, you don't take yourselves too seriously. If you do, I apologize. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just joking. But, uh, you know, you put a lot of humor into it. You, you've experimented with different characters and, and funny voices and interesting stories. And, and I think it's just a really good formula. So I, I think it works really well. And they're one of the well, few, one of the few folks who have actually left us voicemail, you know. So that's really cool, and you've uh, you've even done characters du- during uh, leaving us voicemail, which is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, the characters come from the the kids. Um, uh, I have five, and uh, they they love the characters. Uh, I I create little games that we <laughs> we play with the characters. There's um anyway, there, there's a lot of them. Yeah, and and I don't know Russ. Yeah, I think you caught on though. I was. I was scrounging up people at work to uh, congratulate you for the hundred episodes. There, half of those were mine, I think. Uh, sorry, I'm doing like six things at once right now. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it was um, there were all those. <laughs> I was waiting. You may, for him may to not say remember, something. but at the hundredth episode, there were a bunch of people that called in, and yes. none of them had call signs. Those were all. <laughs> people uh, they were I all you. Yes. At work. Yeah, I, I kind of gathered since they all came from the same area code, and it was in Colorado that they might have been you, or at least had something to do with you. Yes, and I should say that there's a uh, there, there's a guy that works uh, where I work. He's one of the guards there. His uncle, no, stepdad might be listening. Trevor's stepdad might be listening. I should remember his call sign. It's KB0-something, but if he's listening, hello. All right, hello okay. to Trevor's stepdad. That's excellent. <laughs> oh, and by the name? way, hello to everybody who's listening live and <laughs> on the stream tonight, you know? No, no, just Trevor's stepdad. Oh, that's right, yeah. Everybody uh, else, else. Can, can screw off. We're just talking to Trevor. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> there, there's a 73% chance his name is Bob, Jim, or Al. Okay. <laughs> I love statistics, especially made up ones. Yeah. Uh, very good. Do you, do you want to like go back to like the questions? <laughs> I, yeah, we're just talking. We're talking. Uh, okay. I'm getting around to it. It's, All uh, right. As I was letting them uh, do a spiel, you know. No, well, since we're talking about the uh, low SWR ham radio podcast, uh, let's start then right from the beginning. How did you uh, get involved in ham radio, Rich? And, uh, and Brady can give us his story or, or vice versa, depending on who got in first. Uh, how did that all start? Well, there's a, a gentleman at work, KD0AXN, Dan. And he uh, he was showing me Echo Link. And, and he was like, oh, this is this is really cool. And I would... I would, uh, you know, be listening, and he'd be connecting to all these people in the middle of the night. We we were working nights, and it was, um, you know, two in the morning, and he's talking to people in Australia. It was, it was just really neat. So I I totally got the bug, and uh, and got my license and Brady, um, and then, well, since Dad was doing it, I just uh, started studying the technician manual uh, as well. I think it was actually because I really liked to read then, and I had run out of books to read or something like that. And so I just uh, started reading it, um, seriously. And, um, oh, although technically I think I became a ham first because I was originally KD0BJS, and he's he was KD0BJT. Yeah, I remember that. You guys did yeah. your licensing at the same time and kind of got your licenses together, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We went uh, to the Elgebel Shrine in Denver and uh, and took our tests um, they're a you know the a Shriners group, but anyway, yeah, that uh, and and I don't think there's anything else to. Add. <laughs> well, that's you know usually you you get the bug from another guy who has the bug. So uh, I'd heard the story before because you know I listened to the podcast, um, although I, I admit I'd forgotten. So 
That that happened to me actually when I got my license. I got my license with like seven other people, and we all had consecutive call signs, and we got some somehow managed to get probably the worst seven or eight consecutive call signs in the history of call signs, <laughs> and I think everyone changed theirs at some point. So <laughs> it was just uh, some call signs are cool, you know. Um, when they come straight out of the box and some are just horrifyingly bad and mine was one of the horrifyingly bad ones. See what people well, I wasn't, I got it. I got to say, I wasn't too impressed with our original ones. They grew on me over time. BJT is a bipolar junction transistor. So I, I was okay with that, that, you know, um, but when you, um, <laughs> most people, uh, don't <laughs> lean towards the, the junction transistor. <laughs> no, no, that's true. I don't know. Some people just get get really lucky and they get the ones with the the X's or you know, I don't know, just something that that rolls off the tongue or whatever, but mine was just horrible. See, um my actually the one I went to or the one I when I upgraded to General, I got N1WAO Whiskey Alpha Oscar and 99% of the people that I talked to if I didn't actually spell it phonetically thought I was N1WAL. Um, cause for some reason I can't say a O together and make it sound like a O. <laughs> so I'm glad that's over with anyway. And wow, this is a really boring conversation. Shall we move on? I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, not for well, people you know. radio. So, uh, no, call signs are important and people don't realize when you pick your call sign, if you have that luxury, you have to sound it out phonetically because that's how you're going to say it most of the time. So people pick letters that sound cool together and then you say the phonetics and it just sounds weird or I don't know. I I personally picked an x-ray in mine. Like we, we get to pick our, our call signs here. Well, we get to choose between available ones. So I picked one with an X in it because I just always thought x-ray just stands out when you say it. So what about you guys' new call signs? You guys, when you upgrade, do you get to pick your call signs or are they, because you guys are both generals now, do you get to pick your call signs or did did they just assign them to you? Because they're totally different now. Yep, that's right. And, uh, well, I I actually got my extra relatively quickly after, after you know, getting the technician and the, it was within three months or four months or something. Um, but I just left the call sign because they were consecutive, so they were, they were pretty cool. So I just stayed with the, uh, bjt and, and then when brady upgraded yeah when was i think i was probably i don't know i think i was 12 but that's probably not right um but yeah when you upgrade to extra uh you have the option of getting a, an assigned you don't get to choose from available ones you just get the next one um a two by two so in this case uh, ac zero xr and um yeah i guess that's just about it oh um Although with the uh, original call signs, for some reason, uh, if anyone is thinking about getting a vanity call, for some reason, uh, Juliet is always mistaken for India. So that was always <laughs> the problem in BJS. They would always think it was uh, Bravo India Sierra for some reason. I don't know. But anyway. And, and it might have been the combination of BJT. And it's funny because I would have the same problem. And usually DX and, and usually a foreign uh, speaker uh, just for whatever reason, Bravo Juliet Tango. They, it, <laughs> uh, it was it got frustrating. Uh, they would think Italy. They they, I think they thought we were saying Italy. Bravo in it, Italy Tango. But anyway, um, yeah. And then so after Brady upgraded, I just went ahead and got a vanity. RG is my uh, initials, and the KD zero was 
the same as the first one. And I, I think I went to N4MC's site, but I had heard that that is down now. So um, oh, really? that's kind of a bummer. That was a nice vanityhq.com, I think it was. Brady's going to check it out right now. But uh, that was where I liked going. But anyway, there's, there's other ones out there. Oh, very good. Well, I know you can get your, your vanity call signs. I just wasn't sure as you upgraded it, they gave you that, that luxury or not. So, But anyhow, and enough about call signs before Russ leaves. Um, I personally... I'm getting the hell out of here. Signs. This show is boring, man. <laughs> call signs are fascinating. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, I'm just a total ham radio geek, I guess. Um, you guys are... are you guys? I, I know Brady's involved in, in Bark Jr. Are you also involved in... I guess it would be Bark, or was it Bark Sr.? I guess it's just the Boulder Amateur Radio Club and, and the Junior Division, which seems to be quite active, which is, it sounds like that's First of all, a very rare occurrence because I never hear of any other ARC junior entity, it seems. Uh, Boulders is the only one I've ever heard of. So I'm curious if you're uh, involved as well, uh, uh, Rich, and, and then Brady can tell us about it. Uh, sounds like they do so much cool stuff, Bark Jr. They, they really do, and it's, this is breaking news, breaking news here on... What is this? <laughs> Excellent. Linux <laughs> <laughs> in a half-shark. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, hey, just remember, this won't be out for another four weeks, so let's not make it too oh. breaking, okay? Oh no! Well, the the you know the live listeners will leak it then, and then it won't be. Oh man! Anyway, uh, Ellie Ellie Van Winkle, Eleonora Van Winkle, is the uh, leader of Bark Junior N Zero QCX, and a lot of people out in Dayton know her. She um she's you know fairly. Uh, anyway. Her and her husband Rip, Rip Van Winkle, <laughs> they're ha they're just, you know, they're getting up there. Um, I think uh, Rip is eighty. Is that right? Eighty nine, actually. Eighty nine, and and Ellie is uh, not too far behind. We can't say her age, <laughs> but uh, anyway, they're having health troubles, and they they are just not able to continue the club. So the club is going to continue on with K two K R. Mike Wilson, a good friend of ours. And we're we're kind of in the transition stage of, of Bark Junior. Actually, it's it's very um, gosh. I need to do a lot of interviews because it is a very special club, and it mostly uh, survives because of Ellie. And it'll be interesting to see what uh, what Mike can do with it. And I am involved as as an Elmer. Um, the kids are paired with uh, with an Elmer each week, uh, and you know they study for licenses or you know whatever they're. You know, there's some computer guys in there. Um, they sent up a balloon uh, payload a couple of years ago. Brady was involved with that a little bit. So, yeah, it's – but that club, I mean, I I don't know if club is the right word because there's – Ellie's uh, purpose is is not ham radio. I mean, that, that club existed – oh, I don't know how to say this. Those were her kids, <laughs> you know, or her grandkids. That's the way she – saw everybody there and she was very um, concerned about what they wanted to do, uh, how best to help them achieve what they wanted to achieve. And, you know, ham radio was just maybe a, a conduit for that. Um, sending kids to Dayton to speak at the youth forum every year was one of the things that a lot of uh, juniors who, you know, have, have graduated now uh, come back and say, wow, that just totally helped me in my yeah, public speaking because um, they just don't go up there and read off of a piece of paper. I mean, they are, they spend, what, about five months preparing? Yeah, it's five months, and it's uh, once a week for five months, so 
20 times. And it's it's pretty intense, you know. Like I say, there's, you know, Boulder is a, I think it's number two in per capita engineers or something like that. More stats for you, Pete. Uh, and, and there's a lot of hams over there and a lot of, you know, really smart people. And they, you know, a lot of them are involved with Bark Jr. and help out. Um, so there's, you know, people coaching the speeches and, and they're, they're very good. Um, if anyone listens to the rain report, a uh, couple of uh, recently have been on there. What's, um, what's that kid's name? What's that cat's name? <laughs> Not Austin. The other guy, uh, Nick, Nick OCR, Katie zero OCR. Uh, I, I thought it was the audio just sounded great. So rain report. And I think maybe you can search for Katie zero OCR. That was a great, a great, uh, speech that he gave. Oh, very cool. No, I think it's um, every time I hear you guys speak about it. Like I said, I it just you can't I can't think of anything else that I've ever heard. I, I mean, I'm just amazed at when you have all the youth that are interested because we have we have trouble. All the clubs seem to have trouble getting youth involved. I mean, the ham radio population in general is getting older, so their kids are all our age or adults. Um, you know, if they, if, I always see a few grandkids at the various activities when we have contests and stuff like that there. But the other thing we have problems getting is, is just people to come out and help is Elmer's because it seems, I don't know, everybody's busier and it's kind of more of a me, me, me world it seems. So I'm just fascinated that, you know, I, I hear about this club. How many members are there on, on an average, you know, not exact numbers, but it must hover around a certain uh, number from year to year? Yeah, and actually, you know, it it almost um, well, uh, kids that come every week. It's it's a weekly thing, and it's um, um <laughs> Brady is distracting me. So yeah, if you go to the rainreport.com forward slash rainreport.shtml, and yeah, anyway, I'm never mind. <laughs> it's on there, but uh, ten to fifteen, ten to fifteen kids at any one time, and the thing is, you know, this. I, I got to say, it's usually not kids finding the club, but sometimes it is. Uh, the way the club has raised money in the past, ba- Ellie basically gets on the, the nets. Um, you know, there's probably six, seven, eight, nine nets in the Denver area at any time. And she actively asks for donations of equipment. Everybody knows that if they got, you know, stuff to get rid of, they can, they can give it to Mark Jr. Trash. Well, <laughs> one man's trash is another man's right, treasure. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, the the donations come in. And we sell them at, at the Swap Fest. Um, two of them, the you know, uh, two of the Swap Fest there, and the the clubs donate like an entire of the a corner, the entire corner of the area to Bark Junior. So they're very and you know Ellie is pretty good. She makes everybody wear red shirts, say Bark Junior on them, and so everybody knows that that's the Bark Junior corner, right? And you're going to go there and get deals, and. Uh, you know, so people bring their kids and they're like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty cool. And they, you know, and uh, like I say, Ellie is not, you know, she's not like the president of a club. She is, she's like a grandmother. And so kids gravitate towards that. And, you know, I just don't know that the club can be reproduced without some, I mean, her, in, her main interest is not ham radio, but it's a ham radio club. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's it's always a labor of love. Am I muted? No, I'm good. <laughs> I have this habit of, of taking off into a speech and then realizing 15 seconds later that nobody can hear me. Usually when Russ says, hello, Pete, you're muted again, you idiot. <laughs> but um, uh, no, it's, it's, that's the thing. It's, it's a labor of love. And when somebody pours themselves into something, you see the result. 
And, um, you know, if these people are in their late 80s, I mean, even more power to them. I think that's just phenomenal. And sadly, it seems like there's less and less of those people around. Um, and, and I guess the people who take over hopefully will have that, that same commitment. Um, and, and you probably have a good feel for that. You, I'm sure you know them. But hopefully they'll have the same commitment uh, and, and that same passion. And, and hopefully the kids will gravitate towards them. I mean, you just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Mike, Mike actually is, uh, has a shop in Boulder. He, he has a, a four-wheel drive shop, uh, Mike K2KR. The guy's taken over the club. And his wife, I think, will, will fulfill the role of Ellie because she is, um, Carol is her name. And I think she's KC0MOM, actually. So there's a good chance that it'll go on. And Mike is, is pretty passionate about it. And, you know, it was one of those things where, where he never would have thought that he would be the one to take it over. Um, but it just worked out that he's winding down his business. He's getting ready to retire. He's, he's actually moved up to Greeley, put a contract in on a house that my wife really liked. <laughs> but anyway, and so I think it'll, it'll live on and it'll, uh, it, it seems to be that the wheels are rolling in the right direction. Oh, that's good. Are you guys very far from Boulder now? I think you told me you were something like a half an hour north or something like that. We used to, we used to live a half hour to the east. Uh, now we're probably an hour to the northeast uh okay. Greeley is you know quite a ways uh, farther but i think um the club will probably end up in the longmont area maybe which is you know it, it's a half hour 45 minutes it's not too bad no i used to live outside of calgary and when i lived out west in alberta and calgary to canmore was about an hour drive and we always thought it was perfect because in town you could get everything you need your coffee and your milk and your you know whatever you, you can go to the pharmacy and you go to the doctor, but then if you need to go to the big city, you just drive an hour to Calgary and there you go. So I'm guessing it's the same thing for you. As far as I'm concerned, that's really the best of both worlds because you're far enough away that you can have that peace, but you're close enough when you want to go in and you know take care of those those essentials, or maybe not. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Harrison distracted me. Oh, he's what good at that. that. He's good at that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll just have to listen to the podcast now. No, I was, I was just saying, you're, you're, as far as I'm concerned, that's an ideal distance. Because uh, I used to live in a small town outside of Calgary, and we were about an hour away, and we, we had everything we needed in town. But then when you needed your big city fix, you know, you could just drive an hour. It's not, it's not a bad drive, and you could go and, and do what you have to do kind of thing. So I, I think it's a, as far as I'm concerned, it's an ideal situation. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but uh, it sounds sweet to me. Oh, yeah. It, it's not too bad. It's, it's not bad. Nobody's really complaining. Um, you, you know, it's going to be uh, better for all of us. Um, we're going to be able to do more, uh, that kind of stuff. We, you know, it was, a, I don't know, it, uh, we won't talk about the economy right now, <laughs> but anyway, um, that's yeah, the same up here. Don't worry. <laughs> we're oh, on the same sinking ship. Yeah. Thank our, you. Thank our you. government's not closed down, however, but I'm sure they're not far behind because, you know, there's an expression up here that says when, when the United States catches a cold, Canada sneezes and, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty accurate. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you know what? Well, anyway, um, <laughs> we should move on. Yeah, we're not a political. Uh, yeah. and, this and isn't no agenda. Like, so. At first, I thought the government shutdown was great. It's like, hey, every, everyone is, is having to struggle a little bit. But then I'm hearing how they're going to get back pay. So now it's just a paid vacation. So anyway, um, let's move on to questions. <laughs> yeah, see, I work for the government, so I'm waiting for our government to shut down. But anyways, um, no, I'm just joking. 
Um, yeah, well, let's. Uh, normally, we'd have a music here, a music break. Da, 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 and we're back. All right, let's uh, jump right into the Linux contact, uh, content. Our, our first uh, first part of our show was uh, ham centric, and uh, now we can uh, jump into some Linux content and uh, keep everybody happy. On the uh, Low SWR podcast, often talk about Linux and your uh, experiences. So tell us, tell us how you discovered Linux and. Uh, uh, how how you've been involved, I guess, what you've you've done with it over the years. I have a, an ex-brother-in-law, Kirk, and um, he uh, <laughs> he was a Linux guy, uh, you know, a, a sysadmin for somebody. Uh, he's worked a bunch of different places. So he, he kind of got me thinking about it, I guess. I, you know, I was one of those people that had a, oh, I don't know, a Red Hat 5 disc or something like that, that I could never get working on a computer. I had a what don't I have an old Slackware disk or something like that? You know, back in the day when you know, had dial-up connection and you just I could never like download a whole distro. It would you know the connection would get cut off or whatever. So you know it was frustrating back then because you just couldn't get anything working. I kind of forgot about it for a while. Oddly enough, I'm up I'm driving up in Wyoming. Uh, another trucker, Chili Bill, the bread boy. Um, he uh, we're. <laughs> He was a character. It was just fun to talk to. So, you know, keep you awake on the road. He just sounds like a character. That's a cool name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, not a ham, but he had a stutter. And he, uh, oh, he, he would just, uh, he used to work for a steel building company and he could upsell anybody. But anyway, <laughs> um, just a, just a real, just a character. So I don't know, we're driving along and I don't, I don't, remember who mentioned Linux, but we were both like, you know, oh, this is cool. You know, somebody else who actually knows what Linux is. So he, um, he had a very fast internet connection and he was also into providing people with DVDs before the movies, uh, actually <laughs> came out. <laughs> so, um, he burned me a, uh, Ubuntu 610, uh, CD and that's kind of what got me going. So that would have been 2006. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Ubuntu is a is, is a door, uh, an entry location for many people. It seems uh, uh, now Mint, you know, to a certain extent, has its place. But uh, back then, Ubuntu was pretty much all you ever heard about, uh, you know, except for the people who had been in there. But it seemed to be the first thing you heard about. And I guess maybe it was just an, an easy one to, uh, uh, to 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 get started with. So, what's your? Uh, do you guys have a, a favorite distro, or do you guys distro hop? Do you? you know change distros you keep the same one is there one that you like uh, and and without without talking about yours we'll get into that aside from yours is there one that you like more than others oh boy what a uh, a question um I, you know i actually have uh, i distro hop quite a bit actually um it's just really all i uh my problem is i can't figure out what uh desktop environment i like best really um, I don't know, uh, I, but I've uh, tried out quite a few. Uh, recently, I've been using uh, Point Linux. Um, it's just uh, Debian with the Mate desktop. I don't know if you say it Mate or Mate. Mm. Um, Depends on who but, you are, I guess. If you're on the Mintcast, so you the, say uh, Mate or Die. <laughs> yeah, Harrison says Mate. <clears throat> I, it's Mate for me. It's like, you know, it's not well, Pate, it's Pate. Well, I've listened to many people pronounce it Monte, so it sounds so much more sophisticated. <laughs> Maybe yeah, that's it, yeah. It sounds much if more it pretentious, was... yes. Okay, let's play <laughs> talk. 
Sorry. Uh, if it was supposed to be pronounced mate, I think it should be spelled with two E's. I mean, two T's. Or an accent. Or have an accent, oh, accent yeah. grave. An accent, an accent grave would be an A sound. If you want your French lesson for the day. Uh, mate. Okay. Well, mate, mate is fine. Yeah. Bienvenue chez Linux dans le Hamshack. On allait faire notre petite <laughs> All right, Pete, leçon shut up. de French. <laughs> I actually advocate Pete, Pete speaking more French and with more of an accent. It always makes for an interesting... Um, <laughs> I love those... those <laughs> I love the HPRs where the, the – or there was a Floss Weekly just came out. He was talking about the, uh, the, the private search engine. I forget what it's called now. But that guy, he, I mean, he it, – it's just way more interesting. He, uh, he was uh, – I'll have to get into the voice. Oh, you mean the, he speaks like a French I, – see, I, I can't even do accents. So I'm, I'm French and I do a pathetic French accent because I'm not French. Like I'm not I'm – not, something's beeping. I'm not from France. I'm from Quebec. Quebec is a very, very different accent from, from, the, from the French – from the France, you know. Well, I actually it have a question. Sound the same, so. I have I'm a, just saying that you should lay it on a little thick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes I do better than others. And tonight's not one of them, apparently. So, we'll just move on. I'm, I'm not familiar with uh, Point uh, Linux. Uh, I must admit, I distro hop quite a bit too, um, because I, I just can't find the one that I like. And at the same time, everyone that I try has something cool that I like. So, you know, right now I'm holding one, two, three, four, five, six, seven distros in my hand that I've played with over the last few months. I, I seem to come back to Mint quite a bit, um, just because that's probably the one that I've had the most experience with, and I. I, you know, you got to admit, Mint is very easy all around, and it pretty much does everything you need it to do. I don't do anything crazy with Linux. I'm basically just a, you know, basic user, you know, IRC chat, Skype, whatever. So um, I'm not very picky, and for me, it all comes down to are the things where I need them to be, are they easy to find? So I, I think distro hopping is great. I, I've been playing with HamOS for a few weeks, uh, and I must admit, I'm, I'm very much liking that one for its simplicity and, and all the cool ham radio stuff it has. But uh, yeah, I, I just draw up quite a bit too, and that's the beauty of Linux. Is you can, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> is Richard back? Not Richard and Gordon, but <laughs> Texas Richard. You walked right over my question. I actually had a question for Brady, and you went off. And uh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's because Brady was talking about Point Linux, so we just continued. He was talking about Point Linux, which is what my question was about, because it uses it's a Debian-based distro that uses the Mate desktop, so why doesn't he just use Mint? Okay, well, go ahead. Ask your question. That was my question. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, well, I don't know. Does Mint have a uh, a Mate? Um, oh, it does. Well, Mint is the creator I, of Mate. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't like cinnamon very much. That much. Uh, I do know I do not like cinnamon. But anyway, um, I don't know. I could. I just uh, saw it one day, and I thought I'd try it out. No, I just didn't know if there was something different about Point Linux than than uh, Mint, since uh, you know Mint was the one who wrote Mate to be a GNOME two lookalike uh, in the in the presence of GNOME Shell. Um, for those people who didn't feel like upgrading to GNOME three, and um, I'm not sure what's different about Point Linux because, like Pete, this is the first time I've ever heard of it. So. Um, I, I was just kind of curious how you heard of it and why why they, you chose it over Mint. But if you, 
you know, maybe you can't answer that question. Um, I was just looking on uh, Distro Watch for, um, I don't know, I had put in the search criteria probably um, based on Debian and or something, and I just saw it. And uh, I just thought I would try it out. It looked neat. Uh, not really any other reason. Um, and uh, then I just left it on uh, my machine, and I've been using it for a while. Okay, well, here's a question for you. If I know you guys use both Windows and Linux because it's it's come up from time to time on on your show. So uh, if you had a choice, which one do you go to? Um, <laughs> it's 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 really not a choice anymore. We have one machine. Brady Brady got a laptop from his grandma, and uh, Windows didn't last very long on there. It was Windows Seven. We have an old Acer Aspire One uh, netbook that still has XP on it. Um, but I think it might get, it got booted up today because we thought we might needed the Skype on there. Uh, but I think we've just, you know, 95% made the transition. I don't, do you still do any, um, uh, SDR stuff on the windows? Uh, that is the one thing, but, um, SDR, but what's the one, uh, in ham OS that you can use the SDR? Well, there's, there's Quisk. So software defined radio, um, applications and there's a lot that are out there that work you know with uh, uh what is it soft rock and stuff like that um for windows written for windows there's the c sharp and some other stuff and rocky rocky right argo uh, that that's, that's qrss that's, QRSS. that's right so anyway that was that was a, a reason a while back i'd say a year or two ago for using the windows um but since then there's been some developments and i forget what the the one now uh, that you can use the RTL dongle for. Um, uh, you know, Andy's got it in the KB1 OIQ, Andy's Ham Radio Linux CD or something. Uh, it, it, it's on there, and I forget what it is. And I, GNU. It's not GNU Radio. Um, GNU Radio is 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 a big project that has very a lot of power, but, you know, with all that yeah, power yeah, comes a steep learning curve. This one's a very easy. You can plug in that RTL dongle for, you know, 20 they They're like $20 on eBay. Um, and you can start this thing up and start looking at signals right away. So uh, the SDR for Linux is is coming along, and I don't know that we have a need for Windows anymore. Uh, not really. Not that I can think of. Um, you know, we yeah, talked about I the think, uh, yeah. We, we talked about that software suite that uses the RTL SDR stuff, and <laughs> I can't for the life of me think of what it is either. So. But uh, do you, do you actually have uh, SDRs that require Windows software, or you just happen to use it until you found something Linux based? Um, let's see. I have a Soft Rock, and um, let's see. When I tried it out, um, I don't know if I actually ever tried it out with Rocky. I uh, just used Qu- used Quisk um, after I figured out how to do the configuration file thing, but. Um, yeah, I guess uh, if I had to choose between Linux and Windows, I would choose uh, Linux. I just uh, during the um, the last few years, I guess there have been a uh, you know some more ham radio programs written for Linux, and I don't see a need to use Windows. I guess uh, if I think of one, I might bring it up, but um, I can't think of anything right now. All right, well, congratulations, Brady. That is the correct answer. Winner, <laughs> <laughs> the big prize. <laughs> Oh, and and um, yeah, it's GQRX, and that's uh, that's by OZ9AEC, and he he I think has GPredict and some others. You know, I am always uh, and I got to thank WA0EIR who's in the chat room 
you know, the, the developers of the ham radio software for Linux, I just, you know, even if they're just bringing something over or making it work for Linux, um, I just, I, I got to say thank you. And I really appreciate that because there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, there's a, there's a, I, I mean, this is, this is the community. Um, let's see, Guy in Cyprus, 5B4AZ. Yes, that's uh, him. Uh, Neoclis wrote uh, X4NEC2, I think. Well, he didn't write it, but he put a, put a graphical wrapper around the, the NEC um, stuff for, for antenna analysis. And it's just awesome. I mean, and so he had a he had an application, you know, a little uh, all grid. You'd put in a couple grid squares, and it'll give you the distance and a, a beam heading for you know if you got a beam or something like that. And it was in kilometers, and and it would, you know, you had to put in the six uh, character grid square, which, which most people don't know. Most people know four delta mics. Uh, where where are we at now? Delta November seven zero. But I couldn't tell you the six, so I, so I said. I had a few suggestions. I email him. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll see what I can do. So now you can choose miles, nautical miles or kilometers in, in the, uh, you know, in the um, config file. And you can, uh, if you put in a four-letter grid square, it just, it defaults to the middle of the grid square. And it was, you know, it was just email him and ask him, and he does it. It was awesome. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of open source developers are, are very open like that, especially if they have a direct channel like um a contact form or an email link to to them they are more than willing to respond and uh and try and cater to you know their direct audience if they can i mean that's that's what they do and that's what they seem to take the most enjoyment from so it's it's a nice way to uh interact uh try and talk to a microsoft developer about all the problems that you have getting outlook to work <laughs> not gonna happen <laughs> Brady has a story. Uh, okay, I want to hear a story. Or no, the uh, oh, uh, the Skeeter hunt. Oh my goodness, the Skeeter hunt logger. Now there is a story. Um, <laughs> okay, so there's this contest. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the uh, low SWR show or not. I guess I probably did. Um, but it's called the uh, the Skeeter hunt. It's put on by the New yeah the New Jersey QRP Club. Um, and this last year, I think it was in August, I was only the second one. So, um, But I went ahead and I wrote a little logging program for it. Um, I don't know. I was, uh, it was just a fun little project um, for me to uh, write. And so I write this logging program in Linux, of course. Uh, for anyone who cares, I use the Python programming language. Um, but... So I write it, and uh, it's it's working fine in Linux. Works and, great in Linux. Yes, uh, it works just great, and it's calculating all the uh, multipliers, and it it'll uh, dump out a little um, um, uh, specs um, specification. No statistics. Uh, what, statistics. Thank you. Uh, statistics file with you know contacts made and in whatever uh, whatever multipliers and all that stuff, and so it's working great. And then I. Um, there is a way to make Windows EXEs from uh, Python source code. And so I look into it a little bit, and, um, well, it, it seems kind of complicated, not as easy as I uh, originally thought. But um, Glutton for punishment. Yeah, pretty much. Um, because, you know, how many people who are working this contest are, be go are going to be using Linux? And it's, it's a pretty small contest. It Brady is. Thought, well, I'll, I'll try... You know, he was going to port it over to Windows. Yeah, pretty much. And so, um, 
and part of it really was because I was using this uh, this weird um, this Python library to make the GUI, the uh, graphical user interface, and um, so that uh, it took a couple days, but I did get the Windows uh, EXE, and I even made an installer and everything. And so I got that all working, and then... Um, and, and got it working on, on our little XP machine that we have. Right. And then um, you would use the Enter key to log a contact. And when you hit Enter, it just acts as the Tab key in Windows. Uh, so on Linux, when you hit Enter, it would log the contact. But on Windows, uh, it would act as the Tab key. So I had to go back in, and I never actually solved the problem. Um, I had to make a button to log the QSO. So, <laughs> well, there's a solution, um, though. But, yeah. But then when people started to, to use it, like on Windows 7. Right. Then um, they would have problems with it not loading all the contacts. And I don't know what all the it problems. It just didn't they work. Had and a it, and it's problems. just, <laughs> the, the point is it was like, you had to jump through hoops. I mean, it was, you know, it was a pain in the neck. So, it worked fine on Linux, and it still does. <laughs> well, that's, but, that's yeah. the thing, because Linux, you can go right in and, and get right into the guts and figure out why things work or don't work, whereas with Windows, you sometimes don't know what you're trying to fix because you don't know, you have no access to the source, right? So it, right. it must make things a lot more complicated. I mean, I, I'm not a programmer, but I would think, it's you know, in anything, if you don't know how it works, you can't fix it. And, of course, I could have given them the source code, but then they would have had to go and um, download all the, uh, you know, the Python programming language. Um, and that would have just been very hard for Windows users uh, yeah, or they, some Windows users, you know, well, to do. Well, I think it was even difficult just to get, I think you wanted some of the guys with problems to open up a terminal. Oh, and, yeah. See the output. And, and you know, one, it just... It, one it, of the guys did, but it's just, you know... I don't know. It scares it most people. A lot of people don't. They're not terminal users. They just wanted to install it and have it work. They don't want to fix it. That, that's what you're there for. You're the creator, so you have to fix it. And, you but, know, the community helps the, you very often. But So the real issue is if Brady wanted to make this work on Windows 7, he would have had to went down to Best Buy, buy the $80 Windows 7, and then, you know, but what about Windows 8? What about, you know, an old Vista user? Yeah, I mean, he absolutely. would have had to purchase software to make it work for somebody for free. And it's it, so with Linux, somebody can say, "Oh, I'm running, you know, whatever, you know, Fedora 10 or, or what are they up to now? 17, 18, Fedora 18. He can go download it, see what the problem is, and fix it. Fedora 99 running Mozilla 146. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> Very good. Uh, we have a comment in the text box for those of you who may be wondering. Uh, the pronunciation apparently is mate. Uh, from the Spanish, the name mate comes from uh, yerba mate, a species of holy native uh, to subtropical South America. Uh, plants, I guess. Oh, holly, not holy. Sorry, a species of holly <laughs> native to South America. <laughs> not holy. Uh, its uh, leaves contain caffeine and are used to make infusions and beverages called mate. So that's directly from the mate website. Thanks to Harrison, our keeper of notes and all knowledge, for uh, throwing that in. So the mystery is solved. It is mate. And I will say that Holly Holy is one of my favorite Neil Diamond songs. <laughs> um, also, but he digresses. And I'm going to digress once more. I briefly interrupt our interview with Rich and Brady to uh, talk about the fact that we just had a new yearly subscriber sign up 
Just like, now, this like minute? just now, like a few just minutes because ago. of Rich and Brady. That's awesome. That's you right. guys have to come back. And he's in the chat room right now. So I would like to thank. Uh, let me look this up because uh, I, I don't want to get it wrong. Don't want to get it wrong though. No, that's right. To choose from. Um, I gotta get get the right damn window open. Okay, it's uh Robert or probably Bob. Bob H. Bob H. Thanks very much for being a, a brand new subscriber to the show. Like right now, while we're doing this live. Excellent. He, Welcome, Bob. Yep. Or thanks. If you've been here before, uh, I don't know. His, I, I don't want to say who he is, you know, because we don't want to like, right. you know, get uh, people out when they don't really want. <laughs> we don't want to get people out. Do yeah, it. We don't want out people. We don't want out people when they don't want all the adulation. But anyway, thanks, Bob. We appreciate it. Anyway, meanwhile, okay. back at the show, um, we're going to talk about Ham OS, huh? Yeah, let's. Okay, let's talk about HamOS. Hey, um, Rich, why did you make HamOS? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, like many projects, had an itch that uh, I needed to scratch, I guess. Um, uh, and, you know, there's a couple ways to, to, make a, to make your own distribution. If you're a Ubuntu user, you can use Remaster Sys. But, of course, that's the easy way. So I used a tool called LiveBuild, and it, it's pretty... Um, you know, you basically make a big configuration file and, and you have a Chirrut uh, folder. I don't really know all the terminology and everything. I followed directions and it took, uh, I, I think from start to finish, it took probably, what, eight months, Brady? I, I would squirrel down to the basement uh, <laughs> for an hour at a time when I could. Um, do you remember how long I worked on that? I don't know. It was, you know, just one of those things under continuous development. Yes, continuous development. Because, I, you know, I, I get started and I'd be like, well, I just wouldn't be happy with something. So there's a lot of, um, you know, cool applications out there, but they're missing, uh, you know, a dot .desktop file. Um, so they don't show up in the menu. And then if they do, they don't have a little icon. So I, you know, tried to make icons. And then I didn't like just everything being thrown into the, you know, that that XDG extras menu, if anybody's familiar with that. But anyway, the little ham radio uh, menu that comes up um, when you install certain packages. And then I also didn't like that, you know, you install FL Digi, it shows up under internet, under ham radio, under networking, um, you know. So I thought, well, I'll clean up some of that stuff. And, you know, you just get going and then you're like, eh. I, I was really looking at the new user, right? Somebody coming over from Windows and needing things to work. I'm a member of the Linux ham group, which is the uh, FL Digi uh, group and um, run by, uh, you know, HKJ there. Uh, yeah, I forget the call. WA1 or W1? W1, HKJ. Yeah, okay. Very good. So, you know, I, and I'm in there and I'm, and I'm watching some of the things that come up. And I remember one in particular. It was a, it was a newbie. He was dual booting and it was booting to... Uh, the default was probably the Linux, right? And he wanted to switch that. And so, you know, the, the answers start rolling in. Oh, I remember 10 years ago, uh, I think it's menu.lst, and you look in there. And, you know, we've moved on to Grub2, everybody. I just, <laughs> I'll mention that. And it was, you know, all these, you know, and then somebody would say something, and it, no, no, do this instead. And it was, and so I, <laughs> I said, all right, there's a PPA. Grub customizer, try installing that, and then one of the I I don't I'm gonna I'm gonna be in trouble here, but you know I suspect one of the graybeards came back to me and said, "Why would you want to do that? When you just need to edit a couple lines of code." 
and then the original poster came back and said, "Oh," and he, uh, you know, he cc'd both me and and the guy who responded to me and said, "Oh, yep, Grub Customizer works great." And it's just so. It, this is what I'm going to say: If you normally hang out in IRC, do not answer a newbie's question <laughs> because it's it's not. I I don't I don't know how to say it. It's just not helpful. No, they're trying I, uh, to help. <laughs> Yeah. So, are you prepared to I'm answer perfect. some hard questions about HamOS? Sure, <laughs> sure. Did I did I go on too long there? Oh, I was no, going to no. say though that so I so I tried to make it, and then you get a, you, you get moving along, and you're like, well, how about some instructions on what this stuff does? How about some links on how to you know how to use it or whatever? So, you know, I made a little uh, what I called it a manual. I should have called it a user guide. But anyway, just you know things like that that I thought might help people to um, have the transition better. The other big problem that everybody has. They try to do rig control. It won't work. It's because they're not a member of the dial-out group. So I automatically make them members of the dial-out group so they won't have that problem. The other problem is when people try to run the uh, Echolink program under Wine and they can't uh, access the serial port. It's because right. you have to have the symbolic link between dash dev uh, TTY S0 to COM1. That's right. And so I just, I, things like that that were common problems, I, I tried to just build into the, into the thing so they, they wouldn't have those problems. Okay, go ahead with your question. Oh, no, Brady's first. Okay, uh, one thing. Uh, he, there were also a bunch of scripts for getting uh, extras that weren't um, redistributable, such as uh, Google Earth and Flash and all that stuff. Oh, and, uh, and that DOS program. Um, Ooh, uh, HamCalc. HamCalc, yeah. Okay, go ahead, Russ. <laughs> Well, you don't have to rush. I just want to make sure you get in everything you want to say. <laughs> I, think, I think we did. <laughs> okay. Excellent. So my question about HamOS is this. How do you feel about the Affordable Health Care Act? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Russ, I think it'll make the world a better place. Okay. That, that's a bunch of BS, and it wasn't the question I was going to ask anyway. But um, so I was, I was just wondering if I just changed channels somehow without <laughs> realizing what's going on. So um, Ham Radio Deluxe. I noticed that Ham Radio Deluxe is a part of Ham OS. No, I think you're mistaken. <laughs> no, it's not. I haven't seen it either. I've been playing with it for three weeks. Um, I thought one of the dist maybe it wasn't HamOS, but one of the distributions actually had it working in there, and I could have sworn it was HamOS. No, I think you're thinking Shackbox uh, had tons of uh, Windows software that he got to work under one. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just scratch that a little bit. So, so Rich, <laughs> uh, cool what, do you, what do you think about the Affordable Health Care Act? <laughs> Well, let me tell you what I think about HRD first. <laughs> okay. <because> <laughs> We've been trashing it for weeks, so go ahead. I, I just, uh, you know, um, I, I will, uh, I like to promote the other podcasts and Amateur Radio Video News, which is now like Ham Radio TV, no, HamRadioNow.tv, um, and I forget, I forget his name now. But anyway, he, uh, if, if you look through his stuff there, um, I think it was down at, at Huntsville, uh, had W4PC, and I forget his name, but he's the, you know, the guy who bought HRD. Had him talking about HRD, and I'm just, you know, uh, I, yeah, Gary Pierce is the uh, ham radio now guy. <laughs> I've already looked it up. Anyway, it was, it was very telling, and, you, you know, I, I mean, we could have a big discussion here about why amateur radio should stay away from proprietary software, but I think that 
project right there is is the poster child. And I, I think I mentioned it in one of the low SWRs. You know, uh, Simon Brown, the original developer of HRD, got a technical excellence award from AWRL, and I, and I posed the question, how how could they know that it was technically excellent? Yeah, I'm sure it worked some of the time. Not everything for every radio, but, you know, most of the time. But how could they know? And now, um, just recently, they gave that same award to the free uh, DV guys. So I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, and I think people are starting to realize, because there were a lot of bugs with HRD for certain rigs or for certain applications. And, you know, when you're at the developer's mercy, and I mentioned, you know, Neoclis from Cyprus, and if he didn't want to do it, well, there's the C code. I can find somebody who can, you know, make changes for me. But with HRD, we can't do that. And, of course, now it's, it's moved on to a completely, you know, for-profit thing. So, you know, but anyway, there you go. And the Affordable Care Act. Um, I don't think it'll make healthcare affordable, but it'll just somehow make the world a better place. You don't believe Excellent. that for a second. We're not going to suck him into a political discussion. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll I, I, love, um, I love the ease of it coming as, as I always considered myself a newbie. And I distro hop a lot, but I certainly don't do a whole lot in terms of configuration. Um, for the new user out there, it's very, very easy to use. Uh, Ham OS uh, version uh, 12.48, is that still your latest version? I downloaded that back in June, Rich. Is that correct? Probably the only version. <laughs> okay, well, like I know, everything's kind of been put on hold since we moved. Yeah, um, no, I understand. But, th um, but this kind of, you know, it and this kind of goes back to when Russ was asking Brady about, you know, why why try that? It's just Debian with with Mate. Um, you try you try different OSs if you have the time, and Brady does. And uh, but to just see what they've done, uh, to see how they've configured it maybe to see what they've included. I've discovered applications that way that I'm, oh, I didn't know that was out there. turns out it's, you know, maybe not in a repo, but you, but you can compile it or something like that. And I think that's why, that's why people distro hop because everybody has, you know, their own little ideas. And um, I, the script idea, um, Pete can attest to this. When you start it up, it kind of leads you through th some configuration things. And I got that idea from Crunchbang, which you guys talked about a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, Oh, I'm going to mispronounce his handle, but the Cornell, I don't know. I, I emailed him. I said, oh, can I use a couple of these? He's like, oh, yeah, sure, great. And one of the great ones that, uh, that he does is, um, and it's in the background, but again, just something to work. Debian does not get your, uh, you know, your, on a laptop, it will not get your uh, mouse pad to work. So he's got this little script, a crunch bang, where it's, you know, it like greps uh, D message for um, the, oh, I don't know, some specific hardware thing. And if it finds it, it loads G-Synaptics and a couple of parameters. And it, and it works and it taps and you can tap, you know, on links and stuff. And I just find that kind of stuff uh, helps people to uh, make the transition better. Well, one thing I would like, I would like to defend, if I may, Debian, just briefly. Not, not that it needs anything in the way of defense, but distributions like Mint and ones that are built off of Debian that have all of that stuff pre-done to make it easier for the new user is, see, to me, that's a great thing. I, I think it does ease the transition and makes it easier for a user who doesn't understand that kind of thing. Um, 
it, it makes it easier for them to move forward. The thing about Debian itself, Debian as a distribution is uh, strongly adherent to the principles of the GPL and, and open software as defined by the Free Software Foundation. And it's not that you can't get Debian to do those things. You can, but what you have to do is you have to explicitly say, Debian, I'm going to fly in the face of your beliefs and install this software that you think is evil. Uh, it's basically a matter of enabling the non-free repository. And then you're able to do things like get the DVD reader codex and the synaptic touchpad, all of which do not conform to uh, the tenets of free software licenses. You just have to tell Debian that you don't care as much as Debian does about such things. And then you're able to do all of the things that Mint or Ubuntu or uh, Point Linux uh, also do. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, basically like any other choice you make in the open source world. It's um, you, you just have to um, see the alignment of the free software philosophy in the developers of the particular distribution that you're using and then decide whether or not you give a crap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and I and I agree with everything you've said about Debian. And, and it's um yes, at. I, I will just agree with you, Russ. Uh, <laughs> and I, but also it's um, so there are those licensing issues with with some of that stuff. And I do enable people to get that with some other scripts. I think that Brady mentioned uh, in this like get extras folder that I put on the desktop, which is you know similar to what Ubuntu used to do with their restricted extras, or, or and it's you know basically something along those lines. I basically copied that model. Um, and yeah, it does enable those non-free repositories. And I think I posed that question when that first startup uh, script runs. I say, do you want to, you know, get this non-free software? Understanding that there are, you know, maybe licensing restrictions or so. I worded it something like that. You know, just um, trying to keep, you know, trying to let the user decide what they wanted to do. But again, you know, a new user. Um, We'll listen to what you just said, and they'll just their eyes will glaze over. They'll be like, "Huh, what's a repository?" <laughs> so anyway, that. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, Debian is is just very it's just very easy. Well, I found it easy to work with, much more than um, with Ubuntu, because you know Ubuntu just wanted to keep pull, <laughs> pulling a bunch of stuff in, and it was uh, just harder to work with. Although I think Remaster Sys uh, is the is the better way to go if you want to make a live. A DVD or CD for you know a talk or something like that. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. We're all boring each other right now. <laughs> no, not at all. And it's fascinating. I I love. Um, I I really think it's easy to use. I love the way that you've organized everything because it is very intuitive. I, I love. I really love. I mean, I'm you know I'm a ham first. I love the fact that at the beginning of your startup menu, uh, right at the top, ham radio fun starts here. And then, you know, you open the menu and you have your different uh, ham-ready applications. Some of the games uh, you pulled out, Galaga, I mean, that was a blast from the past. Right there, that was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, no, congratulations. You guys did a good job. Uh, the, the photo of the FT-101, I'm, I'm assuming that's Brady on the, on the rig there. Um, I, I had almost the exact same radio. I had, that's a ZD. I had, I had an E, which is a bit earlier. 
mine didn't have the digital display, but uh, one of my all-time favorite radios, so I, I think that's pretty uh, cool as well. I like the fact that the uh, manual is right up uh, on, on, the, on the front page. The audio clips, t- tell me about the audio clips, because I have a story about the audio clips. Okay, yeah. Well, that, um, well, when you start it up, there's like some Morse code that plays or something, and I forget what it says. Uh, well, that was one of my clip. questions, because I can't, I can't read Morse, so I was going to say, what, what is that? I haven't put it well, in my translator yet. I, I, got, I got that idea from Vector Linux, uh, which is like a Slackware uh, um, derivative, or, I, I believe, and I would played around with that. I had that running on an old Vector 6 Lite or something like that, and... Um, it would play this clip at the beginning that would say initiating startup sequence. And I thought, oh, that, that's just cool. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of uh, you know, dug around and figured out how they did that. Well, they just, you know, ran a, a little uh, one line in the auto start file that was, you know, just, uh, I think they used MPG. Um, and then just the file. Anyway, they just played a little audio file as soon as the sound came up. So oh, I'll I'll do that for mine, and I think I think it says something like uh, it might say initiating startup sequence or or beginning startup now or something like that in, in Morse code. I haven't listened to it in a while <laughs> in a while, so I don't know, and I'm not that good at copying code either. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and then I'll if you see it. like in the in the user guide or the manual, um, I tell people how to disable it, and I kind of lead them step by step through. You know, uh, editing a config file, which is foreign to a lot of new users. Yeah, no, I saw that. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, kudos for that as well, because that's just uh, something a little bit easy that can have the the beginner delve into that. You know, a little bit of programming which might give them the bug. You know, so I thought that was a really good idea as well, because I actually read your README files in part of the manual, so did my homework. Yeah, and it just a lot of people don't realize that this little text file this little configure file can change your whole system you know one little line and so i think you know i said oh if you want it louder you can increase the volume this way or decrease it or just you know comment the line out you don't need to delete it you can just comment it out and it won't work and i just give uh, you know tried to lead people in in that direction of not you know being afraid of of uh you know maybe editing some some config files to see what happens um so, yeah, and I, I forget how I generated that. But those, uh, there are some other clips on there. I included some others. And, yeah, I think in the notes there, you, the Morse Alphabet song. And that, I originally heard that on Harv's Hamshack Hack. And did I, I was in the process of tracking down who put that together. Um, but while I was doing that, I think, uh, and he's someone from Canada, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he went ahead and licensed it under Creative Commons, so I was able to just include it without, uh, you know, asking for permission, which I thought was pretty cool. Well, that was my question because I actually ran into that a few years ago in, in Harv's Hamshack hacks as well, and uh, I had I had um, sent a link to Gordon from Southcars for those who don't know, uh, uh, Rich and, and Brady and I are, are members of a entity called the South Coast Amateur Radio Service. So Russ is a member as well. A great uh, organization out of Florida, and uh, they were running some nets, and they were running Morse code classes, and I happened upon these in Harv's Hamshack Hacks at about the same time, and had submitted it to uh, Gordon, KY6V, and he had started using them 
as well. But see, my whole question was, you know, well, I, I've submitted these and he's using them at large, but I, I don't know if I have the rights to give him that kind of thing. So these things were kind of, you know, floating around. And then I saw them in your distro, not realizing, I, because, you know, I, I knew you were with Southcars. I thought, oh, I wonder if he got this on Southcars. I wonder if Harv is going to, Harv is going to be mad at him for stealing his, uh, his Morse code uh, songs. But they're, they're pretty cool little audio clips, you have to admit, for anyone who's, who's learning. Uh, I've used them myself, and, and I find them, you know, if you've got a little bit of a, a bit of rhythm to you, uh, I find it's a pretty easy way to learn them. So I'm, I, I'm glad that you told me that. I'm, I'm uh, relieved now. Everything's legal. Yeah, I found it. It's actually, if you, uh, Morse code song on YouTube and um, uh, Stop Socialism USA uploaded it. But it, <laughs> that's crazy. But anyway, <laughs> VE1. <laughs> You find the darndest things on the internet. Uh, <laughs> and they're all true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. VE1VAC uh, gets credit for that. And he, he, so maybe you can Google that. I'll do that next. But yeah, it's been issued under a Creative Commons license uh, attribution. So where? There, we've, uh, we've attributed it. Oh, very good. And we're all about uh, Creative Commons here. So, uh, no, I think that's, uh, I think that's awesome. You, you got a really good, uh, really good distribution. What, what's your, um, What's your favorite thing about it? What's your least favorite thing about it? Ooh, jeesh. Uh, my, my favorite thing, you know, I, I'll go least favorite it, is the size. I, I really struggled on what to include and what not to include. And I, I really wanted it to make, you know, to make it a CD. It just, it, it's just hard to include anything <laughs> on a CD anymore. Um, you know, and I think even uh, Andy uh, gave up on that. I mentioned that before, but he, he kind of, you know, he has one out there. As well, and you know his is his is really great too. But again, for the for the newer user, um, uh, you know, there, I I remember there were some things, and maybe maybe I haven't used it in a while, so I don't know. But just some things I remember were a little tricky to get working. You kind of had to know a little bit of uh, inside baseball as far as Linux is concerned. So I think that's what separates the two. Although I think you know they're they're probably complementary. I think he has some stuff I don't have. Um, but anyway. My favorite thing about it is, yeah, it's just easy to use. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of LXDE. It'll work on older stuff, older hardware. That's why I used LXDE, actually. I mean, I really like, um, you know, the effects of Cinnamon and GNOME 3. Brady's, Brady's got GNOME 3 on, on his laptop here. And uh, I just, I like the way it looks. You know, a lot of mouse clicks. That's the only bad thing about that. But anyway, but, you know, on a lot of my machines, I have to do all kinds of crazy stuff to get to get the effects of GNOME 3 working. Like you know, proprietary uh, video drivers and stuff, and you're just you cannot put a new guy through that. They're just going to get turned off instantly, and and that was the target yeah, audience. So I agree. Tried to make it as as simple as I could. LXDE fits the bill. Um, you can you know it's pretty easy to customize it. Uh, so yeah. Oh, another thing I don't like about it is there's there's no real good menu editor for LXDE. At least there wasn't when I made it, and I haven't looked in a, in, in a year or so. Um, there was a Java one, and again, the developer was was going to help me, you know, so that I could edit my ham radio menu that I made. But he just didn't have time, and I didn't have time to learn Java, so <laughs> so it never got done. No, I um, I'm actually running it right now on a ten uh, year old laptop on a T43, and you know, no problems at all. It's certainly more efficient than the uh, copy of uh, XP that was on there, so uh, no problems there. I'm sorry, Brady was talking to me. <laughs> I thought I heard something in the background. I was wondering if that was interference. 
you no, no. You know, I, I mentioned Menuet. So what does he do? He start, he, you know, he goes to Synaptic. He's earned well. No, he doesn't use Synaptic, of course. He's a command line Fuji guru guy. <laughs> so he, wh- what is it, apt cache? Apt cache uh, search. Oh. I thought uh, a la carte, or however you say that, um, was the menu editor, but apparently that doesn't work in LXDE. I think it's a la carte. We know we're not getting into the mate around there. That's French, a la carte. C'est à la carte, oui, oui. There you go for rich there. <laughs> Anyhow, do you guys... Oh, uh, it, which reminds me, Russ, you need a good, you know, soundboard with, with Richard-isms on it, you know, with 30 <laughs> clips or so. You don't think I have that? You mean like no, this? Well, then you need to use it more. Like this? Oh, wait. It helps if I mute it or, or unmute it, right? Like this? You don't have to be mentally deficient to do this job, but it sure helps. That kind of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I have it. Perfect. Perfect. More fun shooting guns in the house. <laughs> For your enjoyment. Do you guys still have that uh, FT-101? No, not the ZD. <laughs> it's one of the radios that has come and gone. Um, we have a 101B, I think, or something like that. Uh, uh, we're, I really like you know playing with radios. I actually just recently bought, um, <laughs> it's a disease, I think. But, you know, I look, I look at Craigslist, and there was a silent key, N0, NJR, no junk radio. And uh, so he passed away, and his sister's, you know, getting rid of the, the stuff. And, and I go, anyway, I got an old TS-850 out of the deal, and I think a, a TS-2000, which is a newer radio, actually. But I, I won't, you know, I'll probably, we'll probably play around with him for a couple months and, you know, get rid of him and let some, something else come through. That's kind of, uh, Brady enjoys it, too, so I'm, I'm happy about that. But it's a way to uh, experience a lot of different radios. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a lot of fun. Um, and they're definitely fun to play with. The, uh, the 101 is, is a lot of fun just because you kind of get the feeling that you're playing radio. You have uh, you know, all the knobs and switches. You've got to adjust the tubes. And it was, it was, I enjoyed it, too. I, I got rid of mine just because it was just way too big. It took up way too much room, and I don't have a lot of room in the shack here. So I found somebody who, was, uh, who had been looking for one. Uh, he was an older ham. And uh, when they first came out, because mine was a late 70s vintage, he, he couldn't afford it. And uh, so uh, we, we made a trade for it. And uh, he's quite happy. And he's still got it. And he's fixed it up. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great rig. It's a lot of fun to use. Mine was very drifty. So, you know, if you're talking to anybody who's a little bit uptight, well, you'd hear about it real quick. But yeah, so be it. Oh, yeah. Definitely not contest radios. <laughs> but just, just a lot of fun. You know, a lot of fun to play with. You, um, you know, tuning them up and, and just, just getting them to work uh, <laughs> is fun. So um, I love the tube gear. I have a TS-530, which is an old hybrid radio similar to the, to the 101s. And uh, that's, that's a keeper. I have like two keeper radios, that one and this uh, IC-701 of ours that we seem to always fall back on for some reason. So anyway. Yeah, it's good to have a favorite rig. I have a TS440, which is my go-to radio as well, and it's probably about a third of the size of the FT101, so there you go. Yeah, very good. I'm glad that you guys uh, have been around. I don't know if Russ has any other questions. I've kind of gone around everything, and I know Rich has to get to work at some point uh, this evening, if I'm not mistaken, or has a curfew of some sort. Curfew? Yeah, I still still have an hour, so... um... Oh, we got time. got lots of time. You young whippersnapper. <laughs> uh, no, I don't really have any more questions. Um, 
At least nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Well, I've been asked in the show notes. Somebody asked, uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is Harrison. I have no idea. I was supposed to ask you, how is the radio gangsta? <laughs> you know, I remember exactly where I was <laughs> when I called that in. And um, I was, I was uh, Western Kansas. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't think anything better to do. So, yeah, the gangsta's doing just fine. All right. <laughs> I have no idea what that's about, but it's certainly a funny question. <laughs> well, I had I had called in and I suggested to uh, to LHS that that there should be a a a uh, what a a Linux ham radio club. But I was um, instead of uh, rich, I was the radio gangster. Uh, you know I what see. I'm saying? It's like you got to have like a club, <laughs> and then all the Linux guys could like be in the club. You know. <laughs> I missed that one. So that was a Russ question, obviously. <laughs> I, I what? Will, um, uh, I will say, let's see. There was a question about uh, community involvement or something like that. And um, there, hasn't, there hasn't been a lot. I've gotten a couple messages from people, but just recently. And, uh, oh, I don't have my email up. But, oh, that's, here, talk about something for a minute. And let me get something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pete, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm juggling. I have no well, idea. anyway, there was a ham from England. I, I'm bummed. I, I, uh, I'm not going to be able to open up my email quick enough. But uh, uh, they, they were at a ham fest, and they were, they were giving away ham OS CDs. And this is the great thing about, you know, open source. So, well, and, you know, he could have done this on his own. But he made some artwork for the cases, and I think he... He might have made artwork for the CDs themselves or something like that, and, and he sent it to me. And I haven't – I need to upload it to, uh, to SourceForge there. Um, but that uh, – you know, it's just – so there is – you know, because he saw that it was kind of easy to use, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why he picked it. But anyway, he said he gave around uh, like 50 of them away or something like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. You're international now. Oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> oui, oui. Oh, uh. and uh, – you know, I'll, I'll say something about advocacy. There was uh, an HPR recently about Linux advocacy, and um, uh, the gentleman who did it, and, and again, I don't know a name, but <laughs> it was really good. You know, he was, he was saying that don't, don't give them too, too much information, and, um, and don't tell them there's a bunch of choices out there, and don't just, just show them what works and, and say, oh, yeah, this is out there. You know, didn't you know? So anyway, I thought it was a really good, a good uh, reminder um, when we run into people that, uh, you know, not to, not to give them too many choices. There you go. Uh, words of wisdom. <laughs> I've, I've heard that, that theory espoused in many places and actually on other podcasts, the Tux Radar podcast is there's a couple of guys on there who are very into, there's too much damn choice, you know, mm-hmm. get, get your kids off my lawn type stuff. Just, you know, kind of old school give them a couple options and they you know they're sort of of the opinion that the reason you know even though windows is evil and uh that kind of thing it's like the one of the reasons it's popular is because everyone sort of knows it you know and uh there's not a lot of variation i i don't particularly subscribe to that philosophy but it is a philosophy that exists yeah, then you I, get the people on the other side of the fence, too. So you, you can never make everybody happy. You can hardly make anybody happy, really. That's true. No, you can't make everyone happy. Um, 
uh, and Dave uh, G Zero C E R was the one who, who gave away a bunch of discs at a ham fest. Uh, so <laughs> I, I did end up finding it. There was a comment on SourceForge though, where where somebody said, "Oh wow, this is you know the like the first distro that just worked for me or something like that." And that was really that was really nice and nice to know that that it worked and nice to know too, Pete, that uh, that it works for you and that it has some elements um, that are favorable. I actually liked it. I've I've uh, run it in VMs and I've tried it out several times and I found it very usable. The only complaint I had about it, I think, and I and I'm pretty sure I addressed this in in previous podcasts, uh, was the wallpaper art. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just a bit busy for wallpaper art. You know, photographs of rigs and stuff like that. But uh, that. Oh yeah, and that's true, and and that's. You know that's one of those things. Um, I didn't think about it too much. There's some other, some other radios in there. If you right click and you know change the desktop, there's some other radios and stuff. And I think I put in some of the LXDE default uh, desktops as well because I know that that's. You know I was trying to customize it a little bit. And and that that you know desktop for most people again it's like some people like nothing, some people like everything, you know on there. And so you just you know it's one of those things. It's like yeah, what do you do? No, and I understand that it was it was more or less a a, uh, a negative point simply to have a negative point. It's, it's hardly worth complaining about desktop artwork because you can certainly go and get any desktop artwork you really want uh, and put it in there. It's just that I find that you know things that are uh, less busy and a little more abstract tend to be generally better uh, wallpapers. Uh, because they don't make your eyes move around so much, but again, sort of, sort of uh, a negativism just to have a negativism, not really a complaint about Ham OS. Oh, I take criticism in a good way. Oh, good. And you're ugly too. <laughs> <laughs> you've been you've been talking to my wife. <laughs> oh, Russ has gotten to meet you, I believe. Eh? You guys met at Hamvention. I uh, we did. We've chatted a few times, uh, Richard, and actually. Wouldn't even say chattered. I think we've had like short QSOs or heard each other on on various nets. Or I've checked into your nets when you guys were uh, doing the uh, Pacific Coast connection on South Cars, and and vice versa. But I think this is the first time we've actually had a, a chance to chat, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. That's what's kind of cool. I mean, this whole podcasting experience has been a little surreal for me because I I've been listening to these. You know, before I was on Linux in the Ham Shack. I was listening to it, so I'd heard these guys for so long, and I've, you know, Russ has heard me tell this story a few times now. And then you're on the podcast, and I'm the new guy, but it seems like I've known those guys forever because I've been listening to them, and you get to know people. If you listen to somebody week after week, you get to know a little bit about them, their personalities, you know, maybe their families, whatever, right? So it's the same thing with you guys on Low SWR. I've been listening to you guys for such a long time, and, and I feel like I knew you guys, you know, quite well, and but we've never actually chatted, so... Then when you start to chat, it, it just seems very natural. So I think it's cool that we finally got to uh, have you guys on the show and uh, you know uh, help each other out. The podcasting community is small, especially the ham radio and Linux ones. So uh, it's good to uh, to stick together and, and promote each other, and it all kind of wraps around that whole uh, community uh, community thing again. It it does, and it, it's you know I'm looking at the people in the chat room, and there's you know. Uh, Rob from Mintcast, I'm guessing that's him. And Jay Lindsay shows up all the time. I, I, I know I've heard that name a hundred times uh, on stuff I've listened to. And, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, you know, yeah. And, and yeah, it's like, you know, you just, I, like, I'll just use Rob as an example. 
I, I think he's the one down in Houston, right? And you just, you know, and he, and he drones on and on about, <laughs> anyway, he makes a one hour podcast into two hours. So yeah, you know all these things about people. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm definitely leaving that one in. I'm going to email Rob about it too. <laughs> yeah, that'll learn them not to listen. <laughs> I don't know. I was supposed to do a promo for Mintcast like, I don't know, a year and a half ago. Still haven't done it. It's a work in progress. It is a work in progress. I think, yeah. I, isn't it Bill in Michigan? I think he's got it all taken care of. He, he, they couldn't wait for you, so they went with him. Yeah, and he's better at it anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's a good segue. So, anyways. So, so uh, anyway. <laughs> um, oh, I get good. Any, uh, uh, interesting uh, ham or, or uh, Linux related stories uh, that might be uh, funny or embarrassing. Parting shots for across the bow, as it were. <laughs> as it were. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I I will say, you know, I run Cinnamon upstairs, and my wife uses it, and you know, without without any trouble. And the kids, um, you know, and I I've heard this before, but if they don't know any, I mean, they don't know the difference, right? So. Like my kids use stop motion to make little videos and, and, you know, they, they just, I, I'm, I'm curious as to how it, it will end up with them because they know how to go into the repos and search for games and search for applications that do stuff. And it would be completely foreign to them to go onto a machine that didn't have anything like that. And then for them to have to, you know, search the internet for maybe a free version of something or so I don't know. I, I'm I am curious as to how that will play out, um, and I'm always amazed at the, you know, the the wealth of uh, of applications out there, uh, you know, software that uh, that is just really cool, and a lot of it doesn't get enough attention, I think, um, because you know maybe it hasn't worked its way into the repo or something like that. But anyway, that's just. Uh, not really an interesting story. <laughs> Go uh, ahead. Might be something that uh, some folks over at the Low SWR podcast can talk about in the future. Maybe. Maybe. Excellent. Well, uh, I'd actually love to interview a, a person or two or maybe even several who were not exposed to Windows first. I personally don't know any of those people, but I know they exist. And I would, I would, I would love to know what it's like coming from the other side. You know what I mean? That would be interesting. That's I think it would be interesting as, as well. You know, I came from, from Windows, and I remember, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a cheap ham, right? So I would always look for, for free things. And, you know, like, uh, oh, what do I, Foxit PDF Reader or something like that. You know, think, things that I, would, that I take for granted, I guess, in, in Linux as being you know, just in a, in a regular distribution, um, you know, that you don't have to go out and install. So anyway, yeah, that, uh, I don't know, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. I, it never even dawned on me that there could be people who had not experienced Windows first, but I'm sure that some, you know, maybe somebody who's not my age, there's more of a chance nowadays, but who knows? Yeah, if you can find them, bring them on. Yeah. So when your kids are old enough, we'll interview them. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. My kids have been exposed to uh, everything. Not your kids, his kids. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I, too late know, for my I guess kids. Brady is, Brady's almost there, and with his Python stuff, you know, it's it's all in the repo. I think for the most part, and he goes and finds it, and just you know, um, you know the what are they called? Widgets modules or something like that. 
it's all just there. He doesn't have to do much to find it. It installs and, and he can, you know, mess with stuff. Um, so I, yeah, give him a couple years, but my, my younger ones for sure. I mean, they, I don't think they've, they've ever even touched a windows machine. Um, and they've done some really cool things, you know, with, with video and stuff, just, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned stop motion, but there's another another something that they've used. Oh, and the the drawing programs, the the graphics programs and stuff that they that they you know made stuff with. So yeah, it, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, definitely something to keep on our radar for a future topic <laughs> if we can find those people. You know, I think everybody. I'll just mention I I I put a link for that Morse music in the uh, in the chat room. I screwed it up the first time, but I got it right the second time. And uh, anyway. Well, we're going to rely on our show notes taker to uh, pick that up and put it in the show notes. Excellent. As he should. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess we should uh, at this point say thank you very much to Rich and to Brady for coming on the show and for having a nice little uh, coffee clatch with us this evening. And on the Oprah coach. <laughs> that's right. Uh, do you know any Michael Buble? Can we get you to sing? <laughs> no, we don't actually. Well, I was talking to Rich, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just really want to jump I, in, I, don't you? <laughs> I don't know. Do I? I might. Um, <laughs> I love singing. Oh, go for it. It'll be a big finale. Or is that I don't finale? know, Michael Blake. Bring more vodka. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that what he sings? My uh, <laughs> lovely better half is a huge fan of Michael Buble. <laughs> And Michael Bubul. Michael Bubul. <laughs> All right. Oh, I looked him up. He, he's uh, he's coming to the he, to the Pepsi Center in Denver. Oh, there you go. Now's your chance. <laughs> good looking guy too. So now's your opportunity. He's Canadian as well. So he's got to be a good. Oh, guy. never mind then. <laughs> Ah, but coming from Colorado, you know, I uh, is, is it Colorado's Boulder that's the Mile High City, eh? So, not Denver. Never mind. What? No, Denver's the Mile High City. Is it Denver? I thought it was Boulder for some reason. How high is no, Boulder then? No. Only Boulder's, a half a mile? Boulder's a little higher. There's a there's a double. Oh, so it's a, the mile and a quarter city, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we used to have Mile High Stadium. That would be, uh, anyway, downtown Denver. But anyway. So are you guys still at altitude then? Where you live is your your town? Is it a? I I think we're three or four hundred feet lower. Uh, we're just down the river a ways, but uh, oh, so you'd no, still I, be I like still four thousand feet or something then. No, it's forty eight hundred or forty nine or something like that. No, it's it's oh. pretty much all the same. You don't really start dropping until you get um, a little further out east. Okay. So yeah. See, I wasn't sure because I, I I lived in like I said outside of Calgary. Uh, Canmore was about a, a mile up as well. Uh, so oh, in Alberta, yeah, Alberta. I lived in Alberta for about ten years. Ten years. <laughs> okay, that was half cowboy, half New York, I guess. But <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I loved it. And uh, and there's something about living in, in a mountain community at altitude. It's just you guys can attest. It's it's like nothing else on the planet. It's it's really cool, and I miss it very much. Well. Yeah, we get to look at the mountains, but we don't actually go into the mountains very often. Um, uh, but but, no, no, but still... you're living, you're still living at altitude. Living at 5,000 feet is living at altitude. I mean, it, it seems like it's flat for you guys, but you know, you're, you're up there. You, there's less oxygen. It's, it's just better all around. 
It's so true when you're baking, not living on top you use the high altitude directions. Yeah, totally. That's the first time, you know, silly story, but the first time my wife made bread in the mountains, I think we had bread for a month because, <laughs> you know, everything's lighter. That the bread, ex- it's, it's true, the bread expands and it made like three times the amount of bread that she was used to and it was very light and fluffy and she, she was amazed, you know, like fuel mixtures have to be changed in cars and, and yada, yada. Well, Maybe more in the old days, in the days of carburetor. Now it's not so touchy anymore. But you know, there, there's a whole bunch, of, and and then there's all the weird characters that come with that. So, uh, you know, living at altitude, people who have lived, at, you know, a mile up, know that it's not the same. So uh, I always kind of felt a little kinship that way too. Uh, although now I live at you know, fifty feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we should. Though. You know, we should. Um, we should real quick say our favorite Linux. Uh, uh, piece of software and our favorite non-ham radio uh, podcast. Yeah, go for it. No, I'm asking you guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh so we're being interviewed now. <laughs> hey, it happens. I'm um, just trying to create some content. What was the question there? Um, my favorite, my favorite ham. Well, I don't have a favorite ham radio podcast, uh, but if I had to pick one, it would be Solder Smoke. Um, and for the only reason being is that Solder Smoke was the very first ham radio podcast that I found. And no, 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 non non ham radio. Oh, non ham radio podcast. Um, I, I, there's a couple of music ones that I listen to that I like. Um, kind of kind of fun and no agenda. And I know me and Russ kind of butt heads on this a little bit, but um, I, I've, I've listened to that a little bit more, and, and it's it's kind of growing on me in a tinfoil hat kind of way. Um, there's a lot of techie ones that I like. I, okay, if I had to pick one, I would pick one from CBC Radio, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and it's called Wiretap uh, by a guy called Jonathan Goldstein. He's a Canadian author, and, and uh, he's, he's a pretty funny guy. And uh, it's basically a, a parody, uh, but not really a parody. It's just he, he just presents his, his life in, in a very funny way. He's got a very benign life. He's, he's of a Jewish background. And, and his radio show is just him and his friends and the things that happen in his life. It's very quirky. And, and it was actually a guy from South Cars, strangely enough, that turned me on to it. So uh, that, that would be my favorite, I guess. It's probably the one that I listen to most often. It comes out once a week and the most consistently. It's a half-hour show. So cool. That, and what's it called? Why, why? Wiretap. All in one word. So if you go to cbc.ca, uh, just go cbc.ca slash wiretap. And you'll get right to it. And uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Oh, no, that's perfect. No, the, the reason um, uh, I've learned a few things, um, podcasting, <laughs> and when you talk about something, you should always repeat what it is that you're talking about in case somebody gets interested halfway through and they, <laughs> yeah, they missed what point. you were talking about. And the second thing is uh, you, you have to wait till people die to talk about them. But anyway, <laughs> that's a little no, more obscure. So, well, no, I mentioned uh, Wayne. <laughs> I mentioned Wayne Green like two years ago, and and uh, and then you know, of course, he dies, and then everyone has a you know, a, oh, what you call it. Anyway, um, <laughs> Russ, what's your favorite non-ham radio podcast? I want to know. <laughs> okay, well, my favorite non-ham radio podcast is a podcast called Still Untitled: The Adam Savage Project. Um, which is a podcast done by Adam Savage, which I assume everyone knows who he is, but if they don't, uh, he is one half of the duo known as the Mythbusters on Discovery Channel. Um, right, that guy. 
<laughs> I'm like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? Seriously, as a podcast? He does have a podcast. Ah, cool. Mythbusters uh, w- is an awesome show, first of all. Yeah, his podcast, um, it, it's a departure from the show. It's not all about mythbusting. It's more about his life as um, a set designer, graphic artist, uh, you know, makeup artist, set, and... Uh, sort of his life uh, when he was at Lucasfilm and, and stuff like that, and basically just all of the cool, techie, geeky, uh, mechanically inclined uh, nerdiness that is Adam Savage. And uh, it, it makes for a super entertaining podcast. So when it comes to non-ham radio content, that's at the top of my list. Excellent. Oh, that's awesome. Now, see, I've learned about two that I never... That I never uh, knew of before, and I'll probably give them both a both a listen to. Uh, and and that podcast, by the way, is both audio and video, so um, you can you can take it either way, with cream or without. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> There's another one that I listened to that I actually got from you, Rich, and that's uh, the Spycast. So I remember in one of the low SWR episodes because I. I I had a, lo- a long commute. My commute's shrunk now because I actually have the opportunity. Somebody that I work with moved into my neighborhood, and I get to carpool now. On the plus side, it takes me a lot less time to get to work. On the minus side, I listen to a whole lot less podcasts than I used to. Uh, but when I remember in, in one of the episodes of Low SWR, you mentioned the SpyCast because you drive a lot, and you were listening to a lot of podcasts as well. And that's one that I adopted into my, uh, into my podcatcher as well from your recommendation. So uh, thanks for that. Oh yeah, I think I, I think I brought it up because there was a a, a gal that was it, there was a Cuban number station involved or something like that. Uh, you know, there was a radio. Uh, um, yes, yes, I, that rings a bell. Actually, you're right. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned it. It it is an interesting podcast. There's there's one uh, about a sniper that I found a little disturbing, but anyway, um, <laughs> they're uh, eye opening, I guess. So yeah. Yeah, there's lots of good stuff out there. Okay, I was just uh, I was just curious. Um, sometimes I have extra time, and I, uh, you know, left to my own devices, I wouldn't normally look uh, either one of those up. You know, I wouldn't have stumbled upon them. So that's great. Oh, there's there's so many of them out there. That's that's the beauty and the curse at the same time. There's so much good content. It's the same thing with commercial music versus indie or, or you know anything that's Creative Commons. What do you have? access to most of the time is, is the commercial stuff and a lot of the really really good stuff gets buried under all that hype and uh, how can you find it and, and you get it from recommendations of friends and things like that but uh, there's there's so much media out there nowadays uh, that you, you can't possibly can't possibly find it all and there's so many good things that we're just not not seeing you know it's, it's, it's just so much out there Anyhow. definitely definitely um, so are we running really long <laughs> uh, <laughs> we we started running long about two hours ago. <laughs> hey, uh, just a favorite Linux application. I I want to know. Pete, you want to go first on this one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not sure what my favorite. Or, or, Linux. or no, maybe a better question is something maybe obscure that that doesn't get a lot of attention that just works really well for you. So I don't have the Linux. Uh, I, I just kind of plug it in. Most most of what I do with Linux is check my emails and surf the net. Um, you know, I like some of the, um, some of the digital stuff because uh, I play PSK31, not quite a bit, but when I go to digital, that's usually 
what I gravitate to, and I'm, I'm real fond of FL Digi because it's very simple. Um, but do I have a favorite application or Linux? No, I can't say that I have a favorite one, but I, I don't really use it as much as others, perhaps. I don't know. Kind of a trick question. <laughs> not really. <laughs> you could just say Galaga. It's not, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not exactly an internet. Uh, or not a, it's not exactly a Linux application. Thanks for putting that in there, by the way. That's one of my favorite uh, video games in the arcade, you know, with, with, in the old days of arcades where you put a quarter in this big giant machine. Oh, some, yeah. I, some I, I tried to put remember. some games in there that would run on, you know, older hardware, but were still fun, uh, fun to do. How about you, Russ? Do you have something? Well, um, Galaga actually reminded me of something that I don't use very much, but is when I use it, it is definitely one of my favorite things to do on Linux, and that's use GMAME, G-M-A-M-E. Um, for anyone who isn't familiar with what MAME is, it stands for Multi-Arcade Machine Emulator. And uh, for all of those old games that you used to like to play, like Galaga and Robotron and Zookeeper, and I could name a million of them, uh, it's an emulator for those. Of course, it's uh, technically illegal to own the ROMs unless you actually own the games. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. And uh, GMAME is um, just sort of an overlay of MAME for uh, GNOME-based environments, which are the desktop environment of choice for me. There are several different versions. There's XMAME, GMAME, uh, just regular MAME. There's Windows versions. There's Mac versions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, MAME as a general class of application, definitely one of my favorites, uh, being an old school gamer type. Oh, yeah. I'd never heard of that. Uh, that looks really cool, actually. I'm looking at it at SourceForge there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Now, see, I got... Well, I knew about Galaga. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Uh, and thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, uh, Brady, if he's uh, still within earshot uh, for uh, being here tonight. And uh, we're probably going to have to put off all of the other stuff that I had on here. But there is one announcement that I wanted to make. I got it in an email from a listener. I want to spend a minute on this just because... Um, I think it's reasonable to do so. We don't get a lot of people coming on the show or emailing us or sending us voicemail and saying, hey, I have something to promote. Would you mind promoting it? So uh, since we got a request, I would like to go ahead and, and do that. Um, this is from one of our listeners, Rubens, Rubens K, who uh, sent us an email or actually a Google Plus post, if I recall correctly, and said, you know, Hey, I'm an artist. I'm involved in a, a Japanese art contest, and I could really use some votes for my art. And he's made it um, sort of a benefit to the Accessible Computing Foundation, which is uh, the organization started by Jonathan Nido. If do you want to go ahead and do that, Jonathan Jonathan Nido, or how how do you do that, Pete? Unmute. I was muted. Yeah, yeah unmute. <laughs> Jonathan Nado? Jonathan Nado. Jonathan Nado? Yeah. Anyway, um, Jonathan. Uh, Rubens is uh, a decent artist from what I've seen. And basically um, what you what you do is if you happen to have a Facebook or Twitter account, you can go to this URL, which is HTTPS colon stroke stroke art prize dot JP stroke entries stroke hash one uh and that's hash as in the octothorpe the hashtag it's it's like he almost it's almost like he doesn't want votes <laughs> couldn't <laughs> couldn't he find like a tiny url for that 
Oh, I don't know. But anyway, the thing of it is, just a Korean web page right there. Yeah. This, um, I did this myself. I was able to figure out how to do it. I, he gives a whole long explanation of how you need to do this. But anyway, if you'd like to try and figure it out for yourself, the, the website is entirely in Japanese, but all you have to do to vote is have a Facebook or Twitter account. Go to that URL that I just gave you. It'll also be in the show notes. Look for on the page, the word Ruken, Romeo uniform, Kilo, India, November. That's his piece of artwork. You click on it, authorize your Twitter or Facebook account. And then when you do that, you've voted for his artwork. And, uh, if he wins, he wins some sort of prize. But what he's, uh, giving us as a side benefit is that for a certain amount of votes, he will donate a certain amount of money to the accessible computing foundation, uh, anywhere up to, uh, $500 for you know a fairly significant number of votes so he just asked us if we could announce that he's involved in this contest and if you have a facebook or twitter account to go to that url vote for his artwork if you like it he says if you hate his artwork then there's no reason to vote for it you know so that's cool um and if he gets a certain number of votes he will make a donation to the accessible computing foundation so i thought it would be uh nice of us to let people know about that uh, and if you want to vote for him, go ahead and vote for him. So, uh, that's from our listener, Rubens, Rubens K. And, uh, if you want to go vote, go vote. And I think that's about all we have time for, unless, uh, you want to try and squeeze something in here, Pete, before we, uh, head on out. Nope. I'm happy. I'd like to, uh, also uh, reiterate, uh, thanks to Rich and Brady for being there and, uh, Colby in the background, who I am sure is sleeping by now. Uh, I hope that you guys want to come back one day, and I thought it was uh, very, very entertaining indeed, and I'm glad we uh, finally had this chance to uh, have a, uh, a coffee table chat. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Um, any final parting words before I start the outro music and make Pete to take us home? <laughs> Just 7-3, everybody. This is Rich, KD0RG, and uh, thanks for uh, having us on the show. It's been uh, good. 73, AC0XR, Brady. All right. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. And um, I guess that's about my cue to start the outro music and uh, have Pete lead us on our way. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for being here. Uh, my name is Pete, V2XPL. I'm in Montreal. I'd like to thank everybody on behalf of uh, everybody here tonight, uh, all our monthly and yearly subscribers. We uh, couldn't do it without you. Thanks to all of our live listeners, uh, Quasi Live. Uh, you're listening by podcast check out our website lhspodcast.info where you can subscribe to our mailing list you uh, can send your questions comments or concerns uh, to uh, our email address info at lhspodcast.info of course all this information you can find on the website as well you can leave us a voicemail uh, which uh, rich has done regularly and hopefully we'll do again one nine zero nine lhs show or one zero nine five four seven seven four six nine of course cafe press and print infection will give you some of our show merchandise every purchase uh, you make will help out the show you can listen live every other tuesday uh, in 14 days we'll be back 8 p.m central recording schedules on the website so uh, thanks everyone uh, and, uh good seven three all right well thanks pete and this is russ k5tux and uh, you've been listening to episode number 115 of Linux in the Hamshack. Uh, you know how to email me, 
K5TUX at LHSPodcast.info. And you can go to LHSPodcast.info to find out everything you ever wanted to know about the show, including how to get in on the IRC chat, the live stream, where to sign up for the mailing list, etc., etc., etc. And don't forget to click on the sponsored links down the right-hand side of the webpage, because when you do that, we get a little bit of money out of Google. And uh, having Google send some money our way is a great thing. We have made almost $300 from Google over the time that we've done this show. So just clicking on that link does help. It really does. So this is uh, me saying good night and... uh, We'll catch you next time from between the peaks in the pine forests of North Central Arkansas. We'll talk to y'all next time around. Goodbye. Good night, y'all. I play with myself.